Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Kerbler from Penn State. It's been a rough day for me. On the other side is Sixer Sense staff writer, Eric Mullen over in Rutgers. How are you doing, Eric? Good. Good. Better than you. Probably. Yeah, me and Eric were talking uh, <laughs> while we were trying to figure this all out, and uh, he gave me a little ribbing for the Penn State Temple game, which I'm sure that Josh and George... Thoroughly enjoyed, and uh, hey, they it was a good 70-year run, and we'll, we'll start 70 years again soon, so <laughs> got to keep the faith. Just trust in the process with, with Penn State. Yeah. Anyway, so obviously, this is our very first Sixer Sense podcast. I know that in the past, before, at least before I was there, I know there was somebody who was running a podcast, but this is the official Sixer Sense podcast, and... We plan on having everybody on here from me to Eric to, I know George and, and Josh or Temple guys working on some things. So once the season comes around, we'll definitely have uh, a lot of stuff for, for Sixer Nation. For now, though, big news for the Sixers is the signing of Kendall Marshall. So Eric, just your general thoughts on uh, on the mood to bring in a guy that's had some success in the NBA, but also d- definitely has his struggles. Yeah, uh, I tweeted the other night that I mean, this, this was there was a report earlier last last week that this might happen and that they had interest. And when it was official the other night, I tweeted that it was kind of funny that the Sixers probably got their starting point guard on September fourth. <laughs> not not necessarily in such a good way, but it just kind of shows where they are with that position. And really, Marshall, who's probably at best right now a backup on a, a good team, um, can definitely come in here and win a starting job. So, I, I mean, I was happy that they got him. I remember a couple years ago when he was playing with the Sevens and the Sixers had Lorenzo Brown as their backup along with yeah. Casper Ware that year. And I remember watching him on YouTube live with the Sevens and he was scoring like 20 and dishing out 26 a game from the call him up so two years later i'm still happy that they they took a chance on him hopefully we'll give him a lot of playing time so we can see what he can see what his role actually is going to be in the nba yeah he's definitely a guy with with limited upside i don't think anybody would argue that but i mean even with the lakers a couple of years ago i think it was the 2014 season yeah 13 14 yeah he had eight and a half assists and and shot the three decently well. I'm I'm just looking here now. I see that he had 1.33s a game and then 39.9 percent. If he can shoot the three and he can he can dish the ball, which we know he can dish the ball. That's never been his problem. That's all he really needs to do: space space the floor for Okafor and Noel, and uh, continue to feed into the posts. And I mean, right now the Sixers, Scotty Wilbekin. Pierre Jackson. It's not. It's not like the uh, the position is stacked. Yeah, and the funny thing you're talking about his, sh- his shooting is that people remember from his college days he was that was not his strong suit. Absolutely, absolutely terrible shooter. He really. That's one of his big reasons for going down to the D League was because he had to show people that he actually had improved that shot. And for him, the last two seasons for him to shoot just about forty percent above league average is really impressive. Now was he injured last last season? Did he have an injury? That yeah, in like mid January, he tore his ACL, and I think that's why he's been. He was mostly like he hadn't been signed to this point. Yeah, but I'm 
I Do think we know the, if he's full go? Yeah, the initial report from uh, Michael K. Blomain uh, from True Hoop, I think that's his name. Mm-hmm. Um, he's MKB on Twitter, but he was he had the initial report there, interested, and um, he said that he expects to be a full go for training camp, so that's good. Uh, b- before, I can't remember, I don't think it was before the draft, actually, because I wouldn't have written it before the draft, but I wrote, yeah, it's before free agency, so I was writing point guards that the Sixers should go after because once once Okafor was on the team it was one of those things that they needed somebody to get on the ball and I wrote down I remember CJ Watts and then Jameer Nelson was the main guy but I, I did I do remember looking at Kendall Marshall and thinking that that could be somewhere where they go and oddly enough they end up there what do you think the you think there's a great chance that he's he's your starting point guard I think I think him and Rowan are going to take most of the minutes at the spot. I don't know if he'll start there opening night, but I think I just think for what the Sixers need for their offense, it's going to be you know running when they can and when they're in the half court getting the ball to Okafor. I think his his passing skills are going to be needed, and I mean Rowan's a good passer too, but he also has the craziness turnover effect to his game. Marshall's a little more under control, and also if you're going to have Okafor and Noel on the court. The spacing is going to be limited. You need a guy like Marshall on the on the wing that can give you a little more spacing. The spacing that Rowan doesn't give you because he shoots in the mid twenties from three. So I think him and Rowan are going to take most of the minutes at the spot. And I really wouldn't be shocked if Marshall was a start opening night, but it could be Rowan too. That that's kind of the problem with everybody that they brought in at the point guard, whether it's Isaiah Cannon who can shoot a little bit but can't do much else besides that. Roten obviously tax the basket, athletic guy, but not a pure point guard. Even Pierre Jackson, who I know George is a is a massive fan of, and I was excited <laughs> to watch him at uh, the summer league. He doesn't look as explosive as he once was. And once you're, I mean, he's five nine, and you tear your Achilles, you got to keep that ex- that explosiveness. And he he looked like he was lacking a little bit. And he's yeah. another guy that that may not be a true point guard. And uh, Scotty Wilbekin, once again, probably better as a cat-and-shoot option. If you can get him next to a tall point guard, I don't really know what the upside is. And did they sign T.J. McConnell? Yeah, they signed McConnell. Okay, well, you can see how much I I was researching all this. But even T.J. McConnell, who I liked as a college point guard, but you you can find a T.J. McConnell. If McConnell McConnell could shoot, I mean, it would be great. His... I love his defense, he, and, and, and he didn't shoot terribly at yeah. uh, Arizona. But yeah. it, it Summer, looked like it took a lot for him just to shoot that well from the college three, and then making the adjustment to yeah. NBA three. Yeah, so he shot uh, thir- only two thirty two percent from three point, and did shoot eighty two from the free throw line. But obviously, that's not going to translate well to the NBA. Yeah. Obviously, the big move that the Sixers made this offseason was their draft pick, Jaleel Okafor, and obviously he's getting a ton of the attention, but I feel like there's a lot of Sixers fans out there who are forgetting just how just how uh, great Nernese Noel was down the stretch. What are you expecting from him this season, especially when now he's going to be next to another guy that you know, there's questions that if they fit together? Yeah, I think last year there was... Um, when Embiid was slowly coming back, and we were seeing him dunk and it, like and all that stuff pregame, and that was kind of 
in alignment with Noel playing really well. And it was like Sixers fans were like freaking out because we had Noel improving and Embiid slowly coming back. At the same time, you can kind of see how their games were going to fit. And then, of course, the, the wrench thrown in all this is Embiid out for next season and they bring in Okafor, which really isn't too much of a fit with Noel. So I think... Really, two things, one on each end of the court I'm looking for for Noel is defensively, he's going to be playing a lot a lot of the four, which they kind of let him do at the end of last year. They started mm-hmm. Aldemir and Sims because he most of last year he played the five with Bahamute at the four. But, I mean, he's going to be playing against fours on defense, so he's going to be away from the basket more. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how the Sixers scheme that because you want him to still have an effect on the game at the rim. But he'll definitely still make his presence felt out um, playing against fours and like the pick and roll game or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then offensively, with Okafor down there, and Okafor can't really step out and shoot. He's re- he really has to improve his jump shot from mid range, expand his range. If Okafor and Noel are going to fit long term, you know we can't really think of Embiid right now as a piece, at least for this year. I think the main focus should be trying to see if Noel and Okafor can fit, can they can play extended minutes on the court together and not have a cluster in the paint. So Noel, as Keith Pompey reported a couple weeks ago, he's working on a jump shot. He needs to expand it at least, you know, lower mid-range area. Free throw line area. Yeah, free throw line area. I mean, he doesn't have to step out. Yeah, he doesn't have to step out to the top of the key like a stretch four, Draymond Green, Markeith Morris type. He's just Mm got to expand it a little bit and make the other team respect it for Okafor to have any operating room down low. Just a a little reminder for how good Nerlens Noel was last year after the All Star break 13 points a game, up from 8.2 that he was averaging pre All Star break. 10 rebounds, up from 7.2, went from 1.7, 2.3 blocks, shot much better, for almost 49%, up from 44.5%. He really took a step forward, and even in, uh, in March, 17 games in March, 14.3 points, 11 rebounds, 2 blocks, 2.5 steals. He really turned it up in the second half, and, and he was even, I mean, he had a 30-point game, he had a couple high 20-point games. He he needs, as you said, he needs to have the jump shot. He he's he's an absolute terror defensively, but until he adds a consistent ten footer, ten twelve footer, it's people are always going to question his fit. At the same time, I think when when people look at Okafor and Noel and they say these guys aren't a good fit together, who is there anybody really out there who Noel is a great fit with? I I mean it's. It, you look at guys, it's like Dirk Nowitzki, Markeith Morris. Pretty much the only guys who fit all that well with him are guys that are stretch fours. Yeah. So, yeah and, I think, and I think if Embiid was coming back because of the way he, he can play, Embiid can step out and shoot, I think those two would have played yeah, well. It, it, yeah. Exactly. But at the same time, you don't even necessarily want Embiid sitting out on the perimeter all no. the time. It, yeah, it's no, valuable. No. I mean, I definitely, as, as the NBA game is growing, you want everybody to be able to shoot, so that, that's valuable. But no matter who Noel's with, 
you're going to be able to find ways to have another big man who can play in the post. That's why at, at are Noel and Okafor great fits? I don't know if they're a great fit, but I don't think they're as terrible as uh, some people are making them. I think there's going to be at least enough room for Okafor to maneuver in the post and for Noel to get uh, his. And hey, we, we don't know. Maybe Noel comes out and he is he does have a 12-footer and he is the alpha dog on offense. I mean, we saw a little bit of it last year and Noel said that he wants to be Kevin Garnett. So it's possible that he, he does that this year. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think they're going to be a horrible fit. I just think it's it's reasonable to have cons- a, like a major concern going into it. Yeah, because I I think that's just the way that Okafor's game is structured, and that's the only way he can play. At least for right now, he can't step out. Yep. It's it's more of like if he's going to be your guy, you got to fit players around him that fit well, and it's Noel's the one that doesn't really fit. I think that's also just important that you have shooters at the one, two, and three. Whereas last year, Ish Smith wasn't a great shooter. Hollis Thomason could shoot a little bit. Jakar was here and there. I mean, not really a great shooter. Obviously, Covington was good. Grant, really not actually that good of a shooter. As I mean, we all remember how he started, and he was yeah. he was able to hit a couple corner threes, but really struggled down the stretch. Now you have Covington, Stauskas, and maybe Kendall Marshall. That's at least two very good three-point shooters in Marshall who we don't really know a ton about, but hopefully is able to knock down an open three. Hopefully that opens the floor spacing in general and uh, Noel isn't too much of a hindrance. Yeah, I so, think that's definitely going to help. Yeah. So since this is our first podcast and we haven't been around for the past couple of months, obviously uh, Joel Embiid is out for the season. You said early in the podcast that we can't really count on Joel Embiid for the foreseeable future at all. Given the opportunity, what do you what do you think his trade value is? Would you trade him for a mid round pick, or at this point, do you just hold on to him and hopefully uh, you hit the jackpot? Oh wow! Um, I think it's too early to tell. I think a lot depends on. There's a lot of variables. I think a lot depends on how confident they are. And, you know, they have all his medical reports and they know more about it than us, how confident they are that he's going to return and will be able to actually sustain and be able to play seasons, you know, season after season without re-injuring himself. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with their belief in what they have in Okafor now. I don't think I would trade him right now unless you had got a ridiculous offer. But I don't know, with like a second round pick, I don't think that's worth no, it right now. I, I don't think yeah. so either. Yeah, I'm kind of in the camp that you kind of just have to ride it out with him at this point. I mean, you you use a third the third overall pick on him, and it's and it's fine if you want to trade him. Even in this past draft, if they wanted to trade him for a top ten pick, if it's there, but I almost feel like that the worst case scenario is that it's the status quo, it just stays the same, and he never plays. Yeah, and he never Best plays. Case, yeah. I, or actually, I should say the worst case scenario is that you trade him and he's able to <laughs> he's able to stay healthy and he becomes what everybody hopes he can be, which is probably the most dominant center that we'll have seen since Shaquille O'Neal, or if you want to count Anthony Davis as a center, but I personally don't. So I I, I feel like that they they're kind of at a point where they just have to ride out with him. And worst comes to worst, if he gets healthy, Gilo Okafor 
lives up to the expectations, and Noel is also playing well. You have three great big men, and you can make it work, and if not, then then you trade one of them. There, there's not a ton of great big men in the league, while there's still a ton of great point guards, so you're going to be able to go out and get a point guard. If, they, if all three of them are great, I mean, that's, that's a great problem to have. To have it, but that's, what, yeah, yeah, that's like what people were complaining about before yeah. the draft, that, oh, you can't take... This is even before Embiid was really questioned for the for the upcoming season. Well, it was leading up to the draft that the report came out. But that's why you yeah. go best player available. That's why you take Okafor over uh, Emmanuel Moody. Or, or Hazonia. Yeah, or Hazonia, just because he was clearly the best prospect. You can't... You already mortgage your future by taking Joel Embiid with the third pick. You don't double down on that by passing over somebody that you think is better. And they're not they're not when they pick these players, they're not marrying themselves to them for the rest of their careers. I think that's something important that fans have to know. I mean Jahil Okafor may not be on this team in a year. This is about asset acquisition and compiling the assets possible. Yeah, you never know who's gonna come up in. At that point, cashing in the third pick and for the highest value was to take Jaleel for, and that's why they took him. I mean, we saw this offseason. I mean, just in Phoenix alone, you see Markeith Morris once out. Not that he's a superstar. You see there was some tension with Eric Bledsoe out there. You don't know when the next super, superstar is going to come around. It could be Paul George, yeah. maybe Damian Lillard, but I think Portland's just going to ride it out with him. But whenever that happens, Sixers will be there. And as much as fun as it would be to be able to build a uh, a Sixers team like the Thunderbilt oh, through yeah. the draft. I think that's, that's a lot more fun than just trading for a star. Yeah, you take you have to take what you can get. And I mean, that's why people always ask, you know, how long is it going to take? It's impossible to really know. It's they will be good when they have a superstar. Exactly. Well, transitioning into a little bit of draft talk. Obviously, Sixers' upcoming future weighs heavily in this draft. Although, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, they own their own pick, obviously. They now have the King swap, which is pretty much extra lottery balls. The Lakers pick, thanks to Michael Carter-Williams, which is top three protected. Miami pick, which is once again top ten protected. Thunder, which I think is top 15 protected now. I'm not sure on mm-hmm. that. I believe it's top 15 It might move back to 18. I'm not sure. Well, either way, probably get the Thunder pick this upcoming season unless yeah. Durant is really, really screwed again. So, Sixers have at, at most four picks, but you have to think that they'll get at least two or three of them. At the top of the draft, we have Ben Simmons, Sky Labissieri, Jalen Brown, Brandon Ingram, and a personal favorite of mine, Jamal Murray, uh... Eric, you were saying that you know some of the college guys that are coming back. Is there anybody in this draft that kind of sticks out to you? Uh, one, one mostly, uh, Chris Dunn, who from point guard from Providence, yes. who I was really big on last year. I was happy that he didn't come out because he was he was let down. So I'm happy that he didn't come out because he was probably going to be a late lottery pick, and the Sixers wouldn't have been able to grab him. So I'm happy he's coming back. I saw him live at the Big East tournament. Just, I mean, I I had followed him the whole season before, but just you know, he really played well in the Big East tournament. Yeah, his he, his his production 
uh, varies between who you talk to. I know that uh, some people have him as high as a top eight pick. Others will have him in the lottery, mid-lottery area. He's a veteran guy. I, I, it feels like he's been around forever. I feel like his high school class was probably like 2013 or so. He's, yeah. I think he's he's just 21, even though he's going to be a senior this year. So he's so he's not an old senior. He'll be 22, which is a little bit old for the NBA draft, but not not extremely old either. Athletic. He's he can finish at the rim. He's generates a ton of steals. He's a true point guard. Needs to work on his shot, although yeah. it is improving. But definitely a guy that Sixers who will need a point guard, which I mean they're not they take best player available, but he could be the best player available and you can you can put him in at point guard and he could be your point guard for a couple seasons. So a guy that I like, who I mentioned earlier, which Jamal Jamal Murray, who's out of Kentucky. He's Canadian. He's been on the scene for a while, playing in the Hoop Summit the past couple of years. He really exploded with this with the previous Hoop Summit in April. He torched the Team USA for 30 points, showed a pretty shot, was able to play a little point guard, play a little off the ball. He's going to remind a lot of people of uh, D'Angelo Russell, except he, he shoots righty. But <laughs> he's, he's not a guy that has a crazy athleticism, but much better athlete than Russell was. But he's a guy that kind of kind of stuck between point guard shooting guard a little bit more a point guard like Russell especially in the way that the NBA is being played more and more I mean James Harden's a shooting guard but essentially he's the main ball handler for Houston or at least he was now with Ty Lawson that may change but Murray's a guy he's he's a good passer he can shoot the ball not quite as well as Russell but still a very good shooter and he he comes up big for his team all the time he's he uh reclassified he was he was in the pre he was in the 2016 class. He's now moved down and he's going to be at Kentucky this year. So he's going to have an opportunity to to really impress. He's going to have the stage, and he's a guy that's flown up draft boards. I mean, even in April when he dropped 30 on Team USA, he really he wasn't all that high. I think maybe a late first round pick if he was on even on a lot of draft boards because he he was just reclassifying. Now he's. Up to number five on uh, Chad Fords, and uh, I know in Draft Express he's pretty high too. So he's going to be a guy that Sixers fans should become aware of. Other guys, a couple of Europeans, Dragon Bender from Croatia, 6'11", 210 pounds. Uh, Furkan Kortsmas, who plays with Dario Saric in Turkey. He's a shooting guard, smart player, can shoot the ball, plays a team game, decent athlete. He's going to need to add a little bit of strength and uh, sure up his defense a little bit. But just a couple of guys that Sixers fans will have to keep an eye out for for the upcoming season. So, Eric, you wrote a post on Sixers Sense about a week ago saying, uh, naming your favorite Sixers jerseys. Yes. So, which, which jersey was your favorite? Um, Why? Well, it wasn't wasn't like personal favorite it was more of like a building a perfect collection so i had almost the same thing so essentially so i had the 1972-73 blue julius irving jersey as the best sixer jersey which was the jersey that they wore his rookie season and then they continued to wear a blue jersey but they altered it a little bit but that one from his specific one from his 
rookie season with the Sixers, his first mm-hmm. one with the, in the NBA, was was I, what I had as the best one. What do you think of the current jerseys, the new current jerseys? Uh, I, I think they're great. I was a little afraid because I thought what they had already was really, really good. Although, yeah, they didn't really change a lot. Yeah, I mean, the, the major complaint of the, what they had was that they were very plain, but I kind of like, I mean, the colors that they have, are, I just love the red, white, and blue colors that they have. So I don't think they have to do too much adding design. I really think they made like the perfect amount of tops with the stars and the extra lining around the border of the jersey. So I really like the new jerseys. What did you like from white, blue, and red? Which one was your favorite? Um, I actually really like the white, which I yeah, think I, th- I think a lot I like of the white too. I think a lot of people really like the blue. But I like the white. I mean, all of them are really. I, I like the red one. I like the red alternate too. I'm glad they brought that back. But I really like the white. I think it's the cleanest one. I yeah, know. I I know that. I mean, there's varying opinions on. That. I know a lot of people like the red. I kind of was going back and forth on the white and the blue. I think they did obviously a very good job, and we saw that the Clippers really screwed up their uniforms. (laughs) So just that they didn't screw up the uniforms and they actually made them better is actually pretty impressive. Yeah, it wasn't so much about changing them, but just enhancing, which, you know, the the Clippers want the completely changing route. All right, well, that's all we have tonight. Obviously, September, early September is not a great time for uh, basketball talk. News is not streaming in, but we will be here throughout the entire season. Like I said to begin the show, George and Josh will also be doing a podcast. They're at Temple together, so they have a little bit easier access than Eric and myself do. George, I forgot to mention this, but George texted me a couple days ago letting us know that this podcast does have a name. We're not just going to call it the Sixers, the Sixers Sense Podcast. This is the Flat Top Podcast. We'll be posting this on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and obviously we'll put the links up on the Sixer Sense Twitter and on the website so you guys will have an outlet to listen. For Eric, over in Rockers, we'll be seeing him in two weeks. For us Penn State fans, I'm Patrick Herbler. Make sure you come back and listen. Peace out. Peace.